Chapter Thirty Nine of the Pennycome Quicks. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Pennycome Quicks by Sabine Baring Gould. Chapter Thirty Nine. Two Women. You will excuse me. I know you will," said Yao, looking from one to another, but especially at the American. But I have just been informed that there are chamois visible on a mountain shoulder high 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 up and as there is an excellent telescope a telescope outside i thought i would make so bold as to interrupt an animated conversation to bring to your notice this interesting fact thank you i do not wish to see chamois said salome slowly and coldly nor i i do not care to expose myself to the sun said janet oh aunt oh aunt but they are so shy so rare from the three labarte girls really for my part said miss durham i am curious to see them though i have been before in the alps i have never had the good fortune then allow me to conduct you exclaimed colonel yao gallantly thank you sir i can find the telescope myself answered the american lady then to her companions you will excuse my running off i really am desirous of seeing chamois she sailed through the salle a manger with bipol yao prancing after her hat in hand and puggery waving the labartes looked at their aunt pleadingly very well girls if you wish go after miss durham and away scampered the three. Oh, salome sighed janet i cannot bear him he promised not to interfere with us salome sighed also we must bear with him a little longer he will find this place dull and take himself off but salome what does he mean about being earl of schofield about the pearls and strawberry leaves money of course always money i wish i had not let the girls go after him to the telescope it is a pity but miss durham is there yes and with her they are safe you like her i admire her i think i like her if i were a man i should fall madly in love with her but but what salome my dear i don't know in the meantime bipol yao was adjusting the telescope peering through it and pressing on miss durham to look just at one point ah quick before they move then asking if the sight were right peering again wiping the lens with his silk handkerchief and finally when either the chamois had disappeared or the focus could not be got right abandoning the telescope altogether to the three girls one two three churches here said mr yao and one a pilgrimage chapel you have perhaps seen some friars in snuff-coloured habits prowling about shocking is it not signor caprilli you have heard of the extraordinary efforts he is making to spread the truth the naked truth i mean i beg pardon the unvarnished truth are you interested in missionary enterprise not in the least superstition is charmingly picturesque how gracefully those towers and spires stand out against the mountains and that chapel perched on a rock i would not have it abolished for the world we have not such things in america we come to the old world to see them then perhaps dogs said yao 
you are interested in mount st bernard dogs and would no doubt like to introduce one across the ocean to your fellow countrywomen magnificent creatures and so noble in character how their heroism their self-sacrifice their generosity stand out in contrast with our petty human vices verily i think we might with advantage study the dog i do not mind confiding to you madam that a colossal scheme is on foot for the establishment of an emporium of these noble creatures and that money only is needed to float it i assure you said miss durham i am not the least interested in dogs not as a speculation not even as a speculation people yao was silenced excuse me said miss durham you were saying something about strawberry leaves the wild alpine strawberry is delicious oh you misunderstand me said yao elevating himself to his full height removing his hat shaking the puggery and putting on his hat again i was alluding to the coronet of an earl to which i lay claim then you are not an earl yet i am not one and yet i am one the earldom of schofield was attaindered attaindered at the jacobite rebellion my great-grandfather took the wrong side and suffered accordingly suffered accordingly the attainder was but for a while Preston Pans was seventeen forty five, Culloden seventeen forty six, April the sixteenth, and my great grandfather's attainder next year, attainder for one hundred and twenty five years, which lapses this year, one eight seven two. The earldom is secure. I have but to take it up, to take it up. In other words, resume it, and Beeple Yao is Earl Schofield salome and janet appeared to call the three girls to them and were a little surprised to find the colonel and the american young lady already on intimate terms they were seated on a bench side by side and colonel yao was gesticulating with his hand and whisking his puggery in explanation of the schofield peerage claim was following the genealogical tree on the palm of one hand with the finger of the other was waving away objections with his hat and clinching arguments by clapping both hands on his knees he was a man so richly endowed by nature with imagination that he could not speak the truth there are such men and women in the world to whom romance and rhodomontade is a necessity even when no object is to be gained by saying what is not true some people embroider on a substratum of fact but people yao and others of the like kidney spin the threads and then weave their own canvas out of their own fancies and finally embroider thereon as imagination prompts darkness set in that night as on every other night and most of the tourists had retired to bed wearied with their walks and climbs and those tarrying at andermatt had also gone into the uncomfortable swiss german beds tired of having nothing to do only two were awake in separate wings of the hotel one was salome the other the american stranger salome had two candles lighted on the table and had been writing to philip she sat now looking through the open window at the starry sky with pen in hand uncertain how to continue her letter she wrote to her husband every few days 
and expected from him what she received without fail letters informing her of the health and progress of the baby his letters were formal and brief when about to write he visited the nursery inquired whether there were particulars to be sent to mrs pennycumquick and wrote verbatim the report of the nurse salome had indeed only received two letters and the last had surprised and overwhelmed her it contained news of the reappearance of mr jeremiah her delight had been exceeding its excess was now past and she sat wondering what would be the result of this return on the fortunes of philip and on their relations to each other philip's letter had been silent on both these points he merely stated that his uncle had returned was in robust health and added a brief account of the circumstances of his escape and recovery not a word in his letter about his desire to see her again not a hint that he was ready to forgive the wrong unintentionally done him both letters were stiff and colorless as if they had been business epistles and many tears had they called from salome's eyes very different were her letters to him without giving utterance to her love every line showed that her heart yearned for her husband her baby and for home she wrote long letters hoping to interest him in what she and her sister were about she described the scenery the novel sights the flowers she even enclosed two forget-me-nots with a wish that he would lay one on her baby's lips she made no allusion to the past and she did not tell him of her present trouble with Beeple yao her father she shrank from informing him that the man he hated was at andermatt the terror and distress of her sister and herself she had written a letter to uncle jeremiah to enclose in that to her husband and in that was not an expression which could lead him to imagine that her husband was estranged from her she left this note open that philip might look at it if he pleased before delivering it she had broken off in the midst of her letter to philip to write this and now she resumed the writing to her husband she was describing the hotel guests and had come to an account of the chicago heiress she had written about her beauty her eyes her carriage her reputed wealth only her dresses she did not describe she knew they would not interest a man then she proceeded to give some account of her qualities of mind and heart and thereat her pen was stayed she knew nothing of either she had imagined a good deal but positively had no acquaintance with the lady on which to form an opinion what was there in the lady that so fascinated her she was attracted to her she felt the profoundest admiration for her and yet she was unable to explain the reason of the attraction it was the consciousness that in this stranger were faculties experiences knowledge she had not it was an admiration bred of wonder she had no ambition to be like her and she was not envious of her but she almost worshipped her because she was strong in everything that she salome was weak that she was or might be weak in everything wherein salome was strong never occurred to her humble mind then still holding her pen and still looking dreamily into the night sky salome passed in thought to her own situation rendered doubly difficult by her father having attached himself to her sister she could not desert janet under the circumstances 
she must be at her side to protect her from his rapacity and insolence and yet she yearned with all the hunger of a mother's heart for her baby that she might clasp it to her and cover its innocent face and hands and feet with kisses and philip she loved him also with the calm unimpassioned love that springs out of duty she had liked him since first she saw him and the liking had developed into love a quiet homely love without hot fire in it and yet a true steady honest love she could not believe that her husband mistrusted her assurance that she had not knowingly deceived him she did not know which was the most potent force acting on his mind hatred of the man who was her father and anger at being unwittingly brought into relationship with him or dread of the scandal that might come of the knowledge of the relationship she had no confidence that her father would not become again involved in some disgraceful fraud which would bring his name before the public and this dread of course must weigh on philip as well bipol yao had already attempted to express money out of her she was the wife of a rich yorkshire manufacturer and janet was the widow of a rich normandy manufacturer he looked upon both as squeezable persons only at first his efforts to squeeze had been directed upon janet who had not a husband to oppose him salome however saw that he would not be at rest till he had extorted money from philip through her and the dread of this kept her in constant unrest how she now asked herself or the stars at which she was looking how would the return of jeremiah affect philip's position and relieve her of this fear if jeremiah resumed the factory then philip would be no longer wealthy and a prey for her father to fall upon as she sat thus thinking and looking at the stars so in the furthest wing of the same house was artemisia durham also thinking and looking at the stars she had extinguished her lights and stood at the window she was partly undressed her dark hair flowed about her shoulders and her arms were bare she had her elbow resting on the window-sill and her chin was nestled into her palm her fingers clenched on her lips her brows were contracted into a scowl the face was no longer set haughty in its beauty and yet with a condescending smile it was now even haggard and over it contending emotions played in the starlight altering its expression unresisted undisguised she thought of the admiration she had excited in the schoolgirls and in their elders the two ladies in deep mourning a flicker of contempt passed over her countenance what was the admiration of three half-grown girls to her salome had attracted her notice more than janet she had observed salome whilst unseen by her and thought she had made out her character ordinary duty-loving conscientious narrow a character of all others most distasteful to artemisia she put her hands to her brow and pressed them about it so so she muttered to have always an iron crown screwed tight round the brain insufferable then she shivered the night air was cold in the alps at that elevation she fetched a light shawl of beregy wool and wrapped it round her over her bare arms and leaned both elbows of the folded arms on the window her thoughts again recurred to salome and she tried to scheme out the sort of life that would commend itself to such as she a snug english home 
with a few quiet respectable servants and a quiet respectable gardener a respectable and quiet husband and a pony trap in the shafts of which trotted a quiet and respectable cob improving magazines and sober books read in the house occasional dull parties given at which the clergy would predominate and sing feeble songs and talk about their parishes and then one or two quiet respectable children would arrive who would learn their lessons exactly and strum on the piano at their scales artemisia's lip curled with disgust her hands clenched under the shawl and she uttered an exclamation of anger and loathing and what she considered had she herself to look to she gazed dreamily at the stars and tears rose in her eyes and trickled down her cheeks then ashamed of her weakness she left the window and paced her room up and down up and down and it was as though through the open window out of the night streamed in dark forms ugly recollections uncomfortable thoughts that crowded the room filled every corner occupied every nook came in thicker and darker and more horrible and she went to the window with a gasp of fear and shut out the night wind and the gleam of the stars hoping at the same time to stop the entry of those haunting memories and hideous shapes the street window would not shut them out the room was full of them and their presence oppressed her she could endure them no more she struck a light and kindled the candles in the room what was that on her dressing-table only a little glass full of wild strawberry leaves and fruit one of the admiring labarte girls had picked and given to her and insisted on her taking to her room artemisia laughed she took the strawberries out of the water she unclasped a necklet that was about her throat on which were roman pearls she put it around her head and thrust the strawberry leaves in between the pearls then looked at herself in the glass and laughed and as she laughed all the shadow figures and ghostly recollections went tumbling one over the other out of the room by the keyhole leaving her alone laughing part ironically part triumphantly before the glass looking at herself in her extemporized coronet End of chapter thirty nine